podcast 175, and it's entitled, Does the Name Grimsme Do Anything to You? Let me repeat. Does the Name Grimsby Do Anything to You? The title is taken from a short story by Rod Serling that was published in 1971. The opening music was by the Italian soundtrack composer Armando Trovaioli, and it was the 1970 soundtrack for his movie, Drama della Gelosia, or The Pizza Triangle. Now, how in the world does Grimsby, by Rod Serling, and Armando Trovaioli come together in a passionate podcast that I wish to offer today. Now, the um, thing I often want to say, and you know, whenever you do something creative, or at least that you believe is creative, or that you feel inspired to do, or you feel very strongly that you can do no other, so you put something on paper, or you um, sing a song, or you perform something, or you write something of any espèce or genre, and... Um, to do it, you have to actually believe that there's something in you that you have to say, and the same would be true of PZ's podcast. These podcasts come out of somewhere. And the often uh, frustrating thing is that they appear um, utterly fruitless and uh, non-comestible as far as any kind of real um, effect or impact is concerned, and you have to simply be willing to... Um, in a way, negate the question or obviate the question in favor of the doing it. Uh, and one of the things I often want to say to people is I wish um, this is me and my sort of ego, my what Richard Rohr would call sort of the, the false self of entitlement. I want people to say, well, Paul, you know, thank you. You've really, um, you're really trying to get to the bottom of things that a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of us uh, d d don't really have time to do or don't make the effort to do. I mean, you're actually having had a, a, a disorienting and disturbing and rather uh, completely catastrophic upending experience in the year um, 2007, you dedicated your whole um, course of uh, years left on the planet to trying to understand what had happened, to trying to understand what had happened with you, in you, to you, and through you, and then really to try to sort of understand uh, the deeper facts of the human existence so that you could perhaps die well, or you would not be caught unawares. And um, there was a funny uh, piece in The uh, Onion, I think, this week, uh, something to the effect of um, uh, the av average American uh, learns how to postpone retirement uh, uh, to 30 minutes before his or her death, something like that. Uh, average American now um, deciding to postpone retirement until 30 seconds before death. And, it, and people are so busy and so caught up and so involved and so needing to work that um, the, the funny piece says that, you know, so-and-so um, finally realized that he was dying of an incurable cancer. <clears throat> he had 30 minutes before his departure. And he had 30 minutes to play a game of shuffleboard uh, and hold uh, his loved one's hand. Uh, 30 seconds, 30 minutes. Well, the the, the conceit there is that, um, you know, the more and more hyperventilated we are, the less and less we think about that, which is the most think-worthy, which is 
what the, why, what is this all about? And, uh, and it's coming to an end. And what does it mean that it would end? What does it mean about the thing itself, life, that it would actually come to a complete halt, a total cessation? What does that mean? And what, what is the uh, proportion, therefore, of what you do, given the fact that it doesn't, uh, it comes to dissolution, a complete dissolution, as far as you're concerned? No one's ever come back and said anything except one, and therefore you're caught. But, um, I, I guess uh, what I have often want to say, and I'm, you know, I'm sure this sounds pathetic, but it, it is actually the way I feel. I often think of that line um, in, uh, is it in the Wasteland or is it in the Four Quartets? I think it's in the Wasteland where Eliot writes, old men ought to be explorers. Come to think of it, it may not be in the wasteland, but I know that's a direct quote. Old men ought to be explorers. And I often feel like, you know, maybe I'm sort of like Vasco da Gama or, you know, I'm out here trying to do something all alone. And um, I'm really doing it, you might say, for the sake of those who might not have a chance to do it. I've actually had and been given the space and the time to think about failure and impasse and dissolution and loss and love and erasure and uh, politics as a as a as an actual operation and theology and God and uh, texts and words and people and the past and the present and the future in hopes of coming up with something in a sense you might say I've done it for you I mean that's how I conceive of it old men ought to be explorers I'm the old man and I've <clears throat> taken up Eliot's uh, um, ought and I've sought to be an explorer in the um, what I want to do in the cast is I want to root that in the Sterling story, and then I want to say what I've found out that I'd like to, to leave you with today. That is some kind of the, uh, the um, wisdom that the music that we heard at the beginning by Armando Trovaioli, one of the, I think one of the most um, stirring of all um, foreign motion picture soundtracks um, that I've ever heard, and I've, I've grown up with this soundtrack. It's it had a, it had an impact. On me right when it came out, and it's carried me through, although long before the days of digital or the internet or being able to find out where it was, so the tune was indelibly in my head until only about two years ago when I actually found out what it was actually from and was able to copy it and listen to it again. So strong and so powerful was the impact that it had on me in the summer of 1970, and I'll talk about that in a minute because it's really the impact of what's, of what's most important and what sticks to the ribs of human history. Anyway, in the story by Serling, you know, who is such an uh, inventive soul as well as such a, a, a chronicler of, of destiny's karma and that the, uh, the uh, ill-gotten gains are always found out and taken away from people by death primarily and a god of justice, Serling, who was in an odd kind of a way a religious man, he um, wrote this story, Does the Name Grimsby Do Anything to You? And the conceit of the story is it a... Um, a uh, the first man on the moon, an American astronaut, Buzz Aldrin, you know, that sort of person, gets to the moon in 1969 and has a complete nervous breakdown on the basis of something he finds. And he won't tell anybody what he found, and he sort of hides it, and he keeps it to himself. But he's terribly upset because his entire um, project in life, his entire uh, attached declared goal of his self is to be the first uh, human being on the moon. And he finds, uh, as it turns out, evidence that someone has um, 
gotten there first in to wit sort of a Thaddeus Lowe character if you know who he was he was the uh the balloonist you know and a kind of inventor who worked for the Union Army in the Civil War a person named Grimsby actually developed a kind of rocket fuel kind of by accident which allowed him to offer his services to President Lincoln during the Civil War to try to see if he could uh, use this gunpowder to sort of make a kind of what we would call a rocket and he did and uh, sort of a little bit like um first man on the moon you know by wells uh he he flies to the moon he never comes back he dies on the moon but he gets to the moon and in 1864 there's even a letter which is found uh, in which uh, president lincoln gives him a confidential top secret uh, go ahead to embark on this odd and strange project which is successful and Grimsby has never heard from him again, but we know where he ended up. And so in 1968, the American astronaut is uh, confronted with this absolutely um, to not be believed and to be um, covered up fact that an American balloonist accidentally but consciously and ultimately with full knowledge uh, arrived at and stayed briefly on before expiring the moon. Well, it's a great story because Grimsby is the great um, non... um, What do I want to say? Uh, The explorer who doesn't really care about the reward. The American astronaut in the 60s in the story deeply cares about being known as... He's a nominalist. He has to have the name of the first man on the moon. Hang on just a sec. Do you remember that song by ABBA, Ring, Ring? I mean, waiting for a call. I just love it. Anyway, Grimsby um, landed there first, and so uh, he was the real explorer, and I guess I identified a little bit with the Grimsby character. I feel like I'm exploring, and what have I found? What, What is the moon to which I have rocketed myself? Well, the moon is that, as I said in a number of podcasts, and I want to always sound like Brian Helm, the CFO of the... uh, COO, I should say, of the Church of the Advent in Birmingham, who is always so distinct when he states a fact in a meeting, just wonderfully distinct. I want to announce that. As um, Meister Eckert was right in the 14th century, that you have to go back to where you lost him if you want to find God. The... um, I would say at this point that the most... the, 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 the most vital finding of uh, human experience as I see it is to understand that it is in um, romantic love, the love between a man and a woman, and I don't need to arbitrarily constrict that to just that love. You can fill in the blanks of other kinds of love, uh, but the word romantic has to be there. The love which connotes merger and um, union and oneness and... um, uh, complete uh, um, lowering of boundaries and uh, spaces for security and autonomy. These um, these uh, defenses between human beings, which are most uh, dramatically and almost instantaneously um, pulled down between persons when they fall in love, between two individuals when they fall in love, that this is really the essence of what the human connection and what the human striving after relationship is all about. Hang on a second more. Well, well, that must mean something. <laughs> it's probably going to ring again, and I don't care. Um, this um, uh, powerful um, attrition of human uh, defense and ego um, uh, definition 
is um, the most important and memorable and fundamental experience in a human being's life, uh, both in the whole question of anxiety and the Bowlby, you know, the, that wonderful English psychologist, uh, was it David Bowlby or Richard Bowlby? John Bowlby? Um, in which the whole question of the separation between the child and the mother becomes determinative in human life, and then the merging of the child with the other through romantic love, characteristically, is the um, sort of petri dish of human enablement and human thriving. And as I've said before, it comes very much to the fore in the music of ABBA. And listen again, as you can see it on Mockingbird, or you can just Google it now, um, YouTube, ABBA. People need love. And it's really the essence of human experience, the uh, uh, merging of the self uh, with God, with the ultimate. It's the essence of mysticism. It's the essence of psychological truth. And it's the essence of practical truth. Now, what's so interesting is we live in a time today. I mean, here again, I, I'm trying so hard to say these things, and yet they are so uh, in... Um, contrast with what we're being told because what we're being told is that autonomy is everything and the moment you lose yourself you lose everything and you need to build up yourself because that is the the citadel of satisfaction and survival and well-being and don't give anything away because somebody else will will be will destroy it i mean this is the essence and the message of a tremendous amount of feminism that women have got to stop um lowering the uh what is the word? Raising? Is it raising the portcullis or lowering the portcullis? I'm not quite sure what the metaphor ought to be. And not allow the need for merger and romantic love, let alone with children, but especially with men, to tromp on their persons, which happens in love. And so there's a tremendous literature in feminism, really, which is against romantic love. And the problem with this is it sounds good, and of course it would be great if we were all things, but it goes against, really, the reality of the human desire, male and female, to come together. And the power of Armando Travaioli's music for this really very um, somber, dark comedy from... Italy uh, is that it um, it perfectly evokes the uh, romantic yearning and longing. I mean, what do you want? You want to fall in love. And I've said this before, and you can say it a million times that I don't want to think that about myself, that I want to give myself away, but you can't help it. I mean, this is what men want and women want. This is the essence of all rock and roll. And that's why I always make a plaint in the cast. If you want to understand truth, understand journey. If you want to understand truth, listen to ABBA. Somebody was telling me today, um, uh, sent me, uh, Hughes Hull sent me a fascinating kind of um, debunking of news and why news is such a false option for people for a variety of reasons, which were not sort of neoconservative rants at all. Basically, the fact is that it's not news. I mean, you're being told things that are only partially true and are tremendously sieved through all sorts of radars and screens, and uh, a great deal of what you hear simply isn't 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 true and is exaggerated to, to a terminal degree. Cousins pointed this out long ago, but what the message that we're we're getting is um, is simply um, it, 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 it's kind of a, a retaliation of the ego to rebuild its defenses in favor of identity, demographics, ethnicity, maleness, gender, all these words, 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 and it uh, it's sort of a colossal. Um, 
massive SWAT defense against what is true and real. And the more we hear it, the more um, a part of us uh, becomes unglued by the fact that it's simply not the case. You cannot, uh, you know, fortress my heart, you know, build a, build a wall around my heart. You can't do it. I mean, it might be a good idea to do it. And sometimes people want to do it. I've wanted to do it. Sometimes you say to yourself, well, it'd be better, you know, that song by Dionne Warwick, I'll never get over it. I'll never fall in love again. In a way, it's a very Buddhist song because I'll never attach myself in such a way that my attachment could be turned against me and I could be whipped, you know, wiped through the through the mud by some creep who had no real desire to love me at all and was simply out for one thing or something else, whatever it may be, and used me. And here I am, signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm his. You know, but actually, that's not what Stevie Wonder sang. He didn't say, signed and sealed, delivered, you're mine. Remember this. He sang, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. That's what love is about. And it, it happens. And so the power of the uh, uh, of the mood of the podcast is to try to uh, commit in words to the reality of the overwhelming yearning and longing that men and women and I'm just one have for the merger of pure and pellucid relationship that word just came to me I'm sorry pellucid relationship not you remember, what did, what did he say in 1 Corinthians 13? Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Didn't um, Bergman have two movies on that subject, Through a Glass Darkly, and then later on he did a movie called Face to Face? Do we not want well, face to face, to quote the who? Do we not want to face another? And uh, is it not true? I was writing some of the day that um, I'd buried and attended the dying uh, beds of many, many uh, lovely Alabamians uh, when I was in Birmingham, and not once did I hear reference in the closing days, in the closing hours of that person to the War Eagle phenomenon, which is Auburn football, or the Crimson Tide, which is the University of Alabama football, not once. And here were people who, you know, this it was the prevailing joke, you know, that if you move to Alabama and you enter the Episcopal ministry in Alabama, you have to make sure that you understand that there's one thing you can't touch, and that's loyalties to football teams. I understand that, but it's also not true. I mean, it's a conceit. It's a, it's a, it's defense, because when you're actually dying, I never heard one dying person mention the war eagle of um, loyalty. Not once did I hear the Crimson Tide come come up, except in sort of banter, in total uh, epilogues of denial at uh, some funerals. Uh, but the actual person, no. I want you. Just want you. Remember Galsworthy at the end of Swan Song and the, uh, is it the sixth novel in the nine novel trilogy? Yes, it's Swan Song, the sixth of the Foresight trilogy, end of the chapter. Yes, end of the chapter, or is it a modern comedy? But it's in Swan Song and Soames Foresight, with all his dismissals and thoughts and evasions and his wisdom and his hurts and his understandings, says at the end to Fleur, his daughter, she says, is there anyone you want, Father? And he says, no, just you. And that is the end of that inspired piece. Well, that's truth. That's the truth as I've tried to explain it. It's ultimately a deeply religious truth. It means that relationship is the only thing that matters. And it's a relationship with one person. And as Jim Monroe so powerfully said recently, it's all practice for the big one. And that is the merging with that reality, which is both 
ultimate, final, universal, complete, inclusive, and benign, and graceful, and good. And that's the exploration that I've tried to uh, bring. I'm, um, you know, I know it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. I mean, it's it's absolutely fruitless. I mean, it it will. Uh, you know, I sometimes say to myself, well, you know, why am I doing this? It's it, it's not being published. It's not being. There's no pulpit which is being heard. I've got a few people who enjoy it. And I know that some people get something out of these because I get very um, encouraging emails. I'm not fishing, but I am aware that compared to what I thought it was going to be like, compared to what I thought I might be um, professing, it's kind of, uh, it seems like a, a kind of a little, um, uh, beep, 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 a little, little kind of tiny little squeaking voice crying in the wilderness, beep, 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 beep. And yet uh, it's the result of the exploration that I feel I've been given. And I am so grateful that you've listened to this. And I'd like to conclude with a slightly more upbeat but very, very touching version of uh, the love theme. The love theme from the Pizza Triangle, Rama della Gelosia, for which, by the way, Marcello Mastroianni won the Best Actor uh, um, Award at the Cannes Film Festival of that year. So it's not a lightweight movie, and in it he finds what all men are looking for, and uh, somebody else finds what all men are looking for. And Adelaide, played by Monica Vitti. Oh, Monica Vitti. Oh, just Lord help us. The wonderful Monica Vitti. She, in a sense, finds what all women, all people are looking for, but unfortunately they find it in a form that is uh, not, shall we say, realistic, but full of a powerful longing, which Trovioli so beautifully embodies in this uh, theme. God bless you all.